and welcome to another edition of Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen. And, uh, well, I guess you probably figured out, I must be Pete. That must make me Maureen, then. Indeed it does. And every week, we get together with you for our Monday podcast, talking about, well, whatever it is that's on our mind. That's why we call it Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen. Sometimes we pull it right off the top of our heads. And sometimes we pull out of somewhere else wonder where that might be. Oh, and sometimes it comes straight from the heart. But this week's show was a uh, suggestion from a listener. Mm-hmm. And that was our friend, super fan, Joe Caroselli. Yes. And he said, you guys should think about doing a show. Uh, and we're going to call this one, Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda. Okay. What, what we could have been, what we might have been. We should have been. Should have been. <laughs> <laughs> Woulda, coulda, shoulda. So let's uh, let's start with you. Okay. Well, all my well. Li- well first of all, let, let's give your what your actual background has been. Okay. I I went to, to uh, college, got a degree in elementary education. I always wanted to be a teacher, and uh, that's what I did at first. And then through the years, I took on several other positions. I wouldn't really call them careers. I, I worked in time as a data entry person. I also worked in uh, alumni development and advancement services. Um, then I ended up my career as a parish secretary in mm. several churches. Which of all of the jobs that you've ever had did you enjoy the most? I think I know, but I, I might be wrong because you're not you're not coming out with it right away. I, you know, I it's not the job that I enjoyed; it was the yeah. people. Okay. So, the you know the camaraderie and the friendships. I would say my job. When you were at Lipper, Lipper Analytical as a data entry uh, person, yeah. and uh, that, but the job itself was kind of boring, yeah. truthfully. And it wasn't in teaching. No, it was not in teaching. In fact, I think you found teaching to be somewhat disillusioning, didn't you? It did. Um, not not teaching per se, but the, the um, I don't know what you'd call it. Like the, the, the schools that you the, had to work in? The schools in? I had to work in, the administrations I had to work with, and just the mentality of society towards teaching at that time um, was very um, stressful. And not a lot of reward. I don't think it has changed a lot. I think it's gotten worse. Yeah. If yeah. anything. Now, you taught in the Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. So that means for no money. That's right. <laughs> and no union. Right. No job protection or, or anything like that. Right. And you have parents who, unfortunately, and this kind of harkens back to our last show, where people don't want to take responsibility for anything anymore mm-hmm. and so you have parents that oh not my son right not my daughter you must be doing something you wrong. must be doing something wrong and if you even discipline the kid they want to get lawyered up and sue you for crushing little little tommy's spirit mm-hmm. so I, I i was very um disillusioned yeah. and to tell you the truth once i had my own kids i really wanted to be with them and for a while, I, I worked still teaching and had my kids in daycare, and it just it broke my heart to have to deal with other people's kids who were ill-mannered, ill-behaved, disrespectful, 
when I could be home with my own. And I'm like, I'm sacrificing time with my kid yeah. to teach your kid. And, and you want to treat me like crap. And you want to treat me like crap. Yeah. So it, it, it just soured me on the whole thing. And you taught for how many years? Um, off and on about six, seven years. Okay. Because I, I stopped in between when I had kids and went back to it. And, uh, you know, it, I, all told, it was about six, seven years. So what is the what it could have should have part of it then? Um, I, I, you know. I and it can be professionally. It can be personally. Well, I, I grew up in, you know, raised by parents who were of the 50s who had that Ozzy and Harriet, Harriet thing. And, and I, I feel kind of like I was limited and not to put any fault in them. I think it may be a lot of people in my age group had the same thing, women in particular, where we, I just didn't think of, of a career. I thought, oh, maybe I'll work at this for a while and then I'll stop and I'll have my family and I'll be, you know, mom at home and and I wasn't upset with that. I just, I never thought beyond that. So now looking back, there are things that I was interested in, but I never really seriously considered working at it. Mm-hmm. Like I, what? Fashion designing. Um, I, would have, I loved chemistry. <laughs> my, my sister and I and my cousin and I, we... we, we destroyed more stuff in the house making chemical experiments <laughs> i was gonna say I, I plugged up the sink in our bathroom more times as a kid doing the same thing you just, know, just grabbing stuff out of the uh, out of the medicine chest right, right. and out of the bottom of the sink and just, just pushing stuff together mixing and it together and then pouring it down the drain mixing it up mixing see it, it up. was <laughs> it portended to the future um and then the other thing i always liked dancing and in my heart, I used to picture, I would love to have been a rockette. I mean, it's totally unrealistic, but that, you know, like, hmm. those are some things that I think would have been fun, and I just never thought of them as a career. I never, I just, maybe I limited myself, I don't know. Yeah. Did you think of anything else that you, you might have wanted to be? Because I know you had mentioned in a previous show that your dad wanted you to be a pharmacist. Yeah, but I never wanted to yeah. do that. that. That's not even a consideration (laughs) i went through i went through a few things of course you know uh, i've been a radio broadcaster all of my professional Mm -hmm. career and i got my first microphone when i i think i was maybe five years old six years old something like that maybe before because there is a picture of me i don't even know if we have it anymore but there was a picture of me uh in Dr. Denton. <laughs> I remember that. And standing behind a, uh, a microphone. It was on like a boom. Right, right. You know, like a, a mic stand. Is that the stand. one that your dad made for you? Uh, no. No, this was one that my, I think my mom and dad actually bought for me. It was a microphone on a, on a stand, on mm-hmm. a floor stand, and it had a loudspeaker that you could hang up on the wall. Oh, so it really worked. Yeah, it really worked. Oh, cool. Maybe, maybe you know, 10, 15 feet yeah. away. And there was a picture of my mom standing behind me mm-hmm. like she was introducing me <laughs> behind this this microphone and, and now here's Petey. Yeah. And, how, and how old are you when you're in your dr denton's you know like well, you i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 65 I, 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 yeah, I, was, I was in until i was 21 <laughs> Well, no, what, I, is, what is the, the average well, I mean, age? I, I mean, if you're talking like... Four or five. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so that's kind of when I, I got it. And my father, 
Uh, I was always fascinated with television and with radio, mm -hmm. more than anything else that I ever flirted with uh, outside of you. <laughs> and uh, so my dad made me a, uh, a lavalier microphone. A lavalier microphone is a microphone that they used to hang around your neck on a... Oh, yeah. I, I know, remember like... Kind the, of like a lanyard. Yeah, the old, old um, like, uh, quiz shows and stuff, yeah. they, they would have that on. Those are called lavaliers, and, and now they, they more or less pin them to your tie or and to your, your collar. They have very inconspicuous stuff. Yeah. Very inconspicuous. But in those days, they were fairly large. Mm -hmm. And uh, my father... I, I told him, I, I want a microphone that goes around my neck. And so he built me a play microphone out of a, uh, a broom handle. <laughs> That's so cool. With, a, with like a wire coming uh -huh. out of the bottom of it. And he had it rigged up so I could like put it on a lanyard or something yeah. and, and wear it around my neck. So I, I had that as a kid. And then I had... Uh, you know the Remco radio stuff, the Crystal mm -hmm. radio, and the the Remco Caravelle radio station in a box. Actually, I had that too. I, I I don't know why my parents got it for me. I had I wasn't like into radio at that point or anything like that, but it was fun to play with. I had a bathrobe that had television cameras and microphones. Wow, where did they find that? I don't know. That's amazing. I don't know, but. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, talking about this now, I think my folks were a lot more nurturing of what I wanted to do uh, than I gave them credit for. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, my mother always used to say to me, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd be down in the basement uh, when I was maybe 12, 13 years old, and I would be monkeying with all kinds of electronic stuff down in the basement and a few times I actually knocked the electricity in our house out and had to reset the circuit breakers and it is actually true that my mother did blame me for the great blackout of I don't know if it was 1965 or, or so yeah. but uh, you know she she called me up from the basement you know Peter come up here I need to talk to you and I went upstairs and I'm like you know what's going on and she goes the television ain't working Peter what's wrong with my television I can't see my stories <laughs> I can't, my stories is stories. on, I can't see oh, them, right? Oh my gosh. So I look at the, being the boy genius that I was, I, uh, <laughs> Modest I flip up and down the channels, two, four, five, seven, nine, 11, 13, nothing mm -hmm. on, just snow. Three, six, and 10 are coming in from Philadelphia. So I said to my mother, there's a power failure in New York. The television comes from the Empire State Building. There's a power failure. <laughs> no, nobody's on the air. And she says to me, what the hell did you do downstairs? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you did yeah, do it yeah, so, no, I always said she she blamed me for the great blackout of uh, of 65 yeah so yeah from the time that I could breathe air I wanted to do what I do and I don't know why well it's it's funny because like when I was younger I played school constantly we would school you know we, we didn't like being in school but once school let out for the summer we played school every yeah. day and I, I, one of my favorite things, I had a big blackboard, and I used to love to write on the board and, uh, you know, be kind of bossy over my sister and some of the, some of the younger <laughs> kids them, in the neighborhood. Make them stay after? Not so much that, but just like, you know, make them do lessons and math problems and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, the funny thing is, um, my next-door neighbor, Joanne, was a little bit older than I was, 
and she used to teach when you know the oldest one always got to be teacher so she used to teach us and she actually was the one that taught me how to add and carry numbers before I ever learned it in school so it it, it actually performed a good function in in we taught each other stuff like and um my next day Marlene was her younger sister Marlene and Joanne went to public school so they were learning different things and I was learning in Catholic school and we shared back and forth the things that we did and I think we benefited from each other's experiences I had very brief side interests Mm -hmm. along the way Uh, one of them was I wanted to be a dentist which our friend Andy Galanti would probably, probably be surprised now. to hear because Andy is a, a dentist. Uh, but I had a, a dentist uh, over in Saraville here, uh, just 15 minutes away from mm-hmm. the house where we are now. Sam Lasky was okay. his name. And uh, I was fascinated by what he would do. He'd work on my teeth. And I was fascinated with the the chair was called a Ritter chair. That's the name that the company that used to make these chairs that you would sit in and had the big light and everything. Those those were made by the Ritter company. It's called the Ritter chair. And then he had, of course, the drill and all the the different things Mm -hmm. that he would use to like pick your teeth and put the thing. My teeth are hurting right now. He had the thing that he would mix the the silver amalgam in. And he would like put the... uh, whatever it was, mercury or whatever it was in there, and it would, brr, 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 would vibrate back and forth and mix the... Uh, oh, you're giving me flashbacks. <laughs> and, I, and I was absolutely fascinated by it. You know, oh. the, the only problem was back in those days, yeah. you know, we're talking about the early mid-60s, Dr. Lasky would have the cigarette in his mouth <laughs> when he was working on you, you know. and My, my dentist had bad breath. And I'd be there <laughs> coughing, and, and, and he would be saying to my mom, well, Rose... Peter's going to need, I think, three fillings on this. Because uh, he had kind of a high voice, yeah. I remember. Very nice man, though. Very nice man. And so I was kind of fascinated with that for a while. Uh, I was kind of fascinated with being an architect. And then I took architecture at Seton Hall, and I realized that it There's was, a, it was it. a hell of a lot more than just picturing a building i was very good even my professor said you're good conceptually mm-hmm. at what you want the building to look like right. and and what your aesthetic is but i i couldn't design a building for shit yeah. you know i, I would have killed people <laughs> and, <laughs> i would have been the guy who built that bridge over the tacoma narrows that, right. that, <laughs> you see the famous video of it rocking uh, back and gertie forth galloping gertie during the uh, it, it blew down in a 38 mile an hour wind mm-hmm. they would have been oh toriello must have built this bridge <laughs> Well, that's that's another thing that um, I had like this a similar thing. I I always was interested in space and um, astronomy. Yeah. Well, you're still a space cadet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother! But uh, I took an astronomy course, and it was the same experience. It was like, oh, this is not what I thought astronomy was going to be. I thought astronomy was going to be learning about the planets and taking a look at them through the telescope and. Yeah. Uh, What's life, is life possible on that planet? And what's, what's the geography like? And instead it was math, calculating distances and light years and all kinds of stuff. And it was like, oh no, this, this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> there was a corollary to my broadcast career. Uh, and I remember when, when Joe 
was telling us about the the idea for doing the show. He was like, you know, talk about the stuff that has nothing to do with what you do now mm-hmm. that you would thought. And so for me, that was it. That was pretty much it. Never wanted to be a policeman, a, a fireman, mm-hmm. anything like that. Uh, if I had a brain in my head, I would have been a tradesman. Because you all know how I feel about that. Those are the guys that have the big boats down in Tom's River. It's all the plumbers and the uh, electricians and all. God bless them. We need tradesmen. But those are the guys that are making the money. Sure as hell ain't those of us in broadcasting. Uh, But I had thought about being a television cameraman. Mm -hmm. Because I I would see these TV shows and would see these big cameras. Right. You know? And I thought, wow, that must be fun to operate and of course when I was at Seton Hall I did a little bit of television got to operate some of the cameras and yeah it was it was great fun I think I really would have enjoyed that uh, the other thing was I wanted to be a television director mm-hmm. and I, I think you would have been, done a good job I directed that. one show mm-hmm. and that was part of a course in college and it had it was a uh, mine was a news broadcast and I remember I went 13 seconds over and of course what is the director's the director's number one job. Get out on time. Get that show off the air on time. And I went 13 seconds over and the professor, Margaret Freethy, God rest her, said to me, Peter, if this were real television, they would have cut your newscast off 13 seconds ago and been into the Tonight Show. You would have gotten cut off at the knees with, with your broadcast. Uh, and that was the only time I directed television. I mean, mm. not, not that it, it changed my interest in it. Right. But it was the only opportunity that, that yeah, I that's, had. That's and kind I, of a, a hard thing to, to get experience in. If you're not taking a course in, it, in college, where else are you going to learn it? But I love watching television directors direct up there in the booth. And you're surrounded uh, by all of these incredible technical people, you know, and Mm -hmm. in some smaller stations, the director actually punches up the cameras himself. But in larger operations, you have what's called the technical director who sits next to the director and the director picks out the shots that he Mm -hmm. wants. And he'll say, you know, ready one, one, ready three, three. And some directors never even say ready. They'll just say one, three. But I would watch this. And if you've ever seen the guys who direct like uh, the football games, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Super Bowl, I remember seeing a video of a TV director uh, as part of the course that I was taking, and he was directing the Super Bowl. And it was about one minute to airtime, and he looked at the, the camera that was shooting the documentary mm-hmm. and said, I don't want to do this. <laughs> because it really is a daunting. Yeah. And of course, once they got on the air, the guy was just like, oh. bam, bam, oh, bam. Sure. You know? yeah. uh, and the guys, the guys who direct like the Academy Awards and the yeah. Emmys and... Uh, Wow, these guys are super. They're absolutely super. Well, you know, this is something I, I, I don't know if you even know you do it. What? But sometimes when we're watching TV, yes. I see you going, like, yeah. like clicking and, and pointing, and it's like, go to black. You know, and, and you, you, I think uh, I think there's a part of you that still wants to do that. I think there is. I think there is. I, I think it would have been, uh, I don't know if I would have been good at it. I, I hope that I, I would have been. I think you would have been. I think you would. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that's probably, if there's any job that I didn't do in my life that I really regret not having pursued, that's probably the one. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a, a coulda, shoulda for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, I, I would have liked to done fashion design. 
um, when I was a little kid, I played with paper dolls. And I used to not use the clothes that came with the doll. I would use the doll as a template, and I would draw things and cut out the paper fashions and design things. And then we would play store, and my friends would come over with their paper dolls, and they would be, oh, well, you know, Barbie has a date to the prom, and she needs a prom dress. And uh, I'd be like, okay, well, what does she picture herself in? And I would design a prom dress for for her. And then later on, I, I learned to sew. And all through high school, I sewed almost all my own clothes. Um, and I would you know, take a pattern and use it three or four times different ways, vary the cloth, vary the trim, you know, put long sleeves and short sleeves and do different things to it. And I, I always you know, felt very proud and, and excited about anything that I, I made and finished and got to wear. So I, I think I would have liked to have done that. My other regret is that I didn't go for my master's when I had the opportunity mm -hmm. because I've had a lot of people say to me, you should teach broadcasting. And a lot of schools, if you don't have your master's, they won't even talk to you about right. it. And I used to get a little indignant about that because I've been a broadcaster. I started in, uh, in college. My junior year of college was my first part-time job in radio, and that's 1974. Mm-hmm. So here it's we are. Like 46 years it's ago. It's a hell of a long time ago. So I have all of this experience uh, and having been a, uh, an air personality and a, and a program director and so on and so forth. And to go to a college and have them say, well, you don't have your master's. You don't have that little piece of paper. It makes all the difference. You know, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I know more. I forgot more than some of your guys with the master's know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, if, if anybody, and you have a master's, Maureen has her master's, uh, she'll tell you about it in a moment. Uh, <laughs> but if, if any of our listeners have masters out there, I, I don't mean to denigrate you, but I always would say, well, people have masters. They, they write. They write. They, they read books. They You're getting my Irish temper <laughs> up. <laughs> I worked very hard for I, that master's. I, I did the work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I did the work. I didn't research the work, I did the work. And to me, that was always a, a, a bit of an insult. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not winning okay. any points on this one, no, folks. <laughs> no, 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 um, My regret is that my job at Drew University, which enabled me to get the master's for free yeah. and would have enabled me to go on and get a PhD for free, um, ended because of financial cutbacks, not because of anything that I did. And uh, I felt like that got thwarted right in the middle, and I regret that I couldn't have gotten my, gone all the way and gotten my PhD. Yeah, yeah, Maureen was working for 10 years at Drew University, and they were having f financial difficulties, and uh, she got riffed out. Mm -hmm. And they, I, you know, the people that made the decision made the decision for whatever reason, but I don't think any of them really realized how devastating and impactful that yeah. was. Nor to did me. they care. No. Nor did they care. No. They had they had a cut budget somewhere, and that's that's what they decided. That, that was it. And that was it. That was it. But uh, that really messed up my plans because in my mind I thought, okay, I'll go on and I'll get my PhD. And then when, by the time I got it, I'd be almost ready to retire. And I figured then I could be an adjunct yeah. and I could teach a, one course here or there and supplement 
Social Security and pension money. Now, unfortunately, with the COVID thing, all the adjuncts are getting well, let go. Well, I was going to say, so the best laid plans, yeah. I guess, mice it, and it ben, doesn't matter. times go know? awry, I think, is the, but, is the uh, quote. So well, tell, tell our listeners about your master's. Well, my master's is in liturgical studies, and uh, that was kind of like something that I treated myself to because at the time when I was working at Drew, I didn't anticipate leaving there or having to fend my way in any other field. So I, I was interested in liturgy and in our work that we do voluntarily as, as music ministry. And I, this was kind of like my, a treat to myself to, to delve into that subject yeah. and to, to get more informed on it. And, uh, you know, that, that was, I, I, wor- I worked on um, the musical aspects of liturgy. Now I tease Maureen about her master's degree, but I'm I'm he's, very I'm, he's jealous. I'm actually. very I'm <laughs> jealous as hell. No, but I'm actually very proud of you, and you Thank know you. that. Thank you. And she actually dedicated her thesis in part to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not totally to me. Well, but you, you weren't also, totally but, uh, responsible. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Because the, the uh, part of it was also dedicated to our friend, Father Ted Osbar. That's right. Who was a huge supporter of yours when you were studying. He was. He, and he, he gave me the boost, the first first uh, opportunity when the Archdiocese of Newark was starting a liturgical stu- studies um, certificate program. And he found some money in the parish to send me to classes. What I think is so funny is that when you sent the your thesis to Ted as a surprise, he called mm-hmm. and he spoke to me on the phone. So I answered the phone and he goes, Peter, I'm very honored that Maureen dedicated her thesis to me. And rightly so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I th- you know, God bless. He's oh, the, we sweet, love the Ted. sweetest We priest. absolutely love Ted. But, uh, you know, that, that, was, um, that was my plan, yeah. and it didn't work. <laughs> See, my boneheaded move was not getting my master's, and because I'm married to you, mm-hmm. I probably could have got mine for free or for dirt cheap. Right. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know if it was totally free at that point or not, but it, it would have been, yeah, would, it would have, have been, been possible. It would have been crazy cheap, and I decided, well... You didn't want to work that hard. I don't want to work that hard, you know, I'm done with school, and, and now I look back on it, and even, even if I never got a job out of it, just the fact that I could have uh, gotten my master's and, and, and been a smartass, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry that Maybe I... Maybe it's better that you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I, that I didn't go for it seriously though I'm, yeah. I'm sorry that i didn't do it well i mean you know it's, it's always the future i guess yeah yeah next life <laughs> next go around we'll <laughs> we'll do it differently but i think that's about all that i can think of of uh, how i could have would have should have done things differently yeah me too yeah well this has been the mixing it up with pete and maureen podcast and joe caroselli we want to thank you for your recommendation for this week's show and we're glad you did because we needed something to do this week we really didn't have anything in the hopper we have a halloween show coming up in a week or two but it would have been would have been a little premature to do it this week yeah don't forget to catch joe's podcast too which is entitled joe caroselli and his magic radio and it's all about those golden days of radio broadcasting and i think you'll enjoy it if you haven't heard it already so check it out maureen and i hope that you will check us out next week 
on Mixing It Up with Pete and Maureen. And until then, I'm Pete Torriello. And I'm Maureen Torriello. For now, goodbye, God bless you, and thank you. Thank Thank you you for for listening. listening.